Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I totally set that off. I I, I I I was like, I had everything locked and loaded in my brain. I've been doing this for I don't know seven years now, six years, seven years, and um, all it took was a blip. Oh, there was one little blip from your phone. Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Blip Blip. And <laughs> you are this today. You're blipping, blipping. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. We pick a topic and we dive right into it. I want to tell you right now, real quick before we start, that this Saturday, this coming Saturday after the episode's released, June 25th, come the Too Many Games, the Too Many Games retro gaming and just gaming convention at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. Come to that convention this coming weekend. It's going to be big. It's going to be fun. There's going to be music. There's going to be games. And there's going to be us at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday. Wait, what time? 6.30. What time? 6.30. Oh, crap. No. I can't. <laughs> I like, I can't. It's coming. It's coming. Um, yeah. So and we'll be there presenting the podcast. And if everything goes to plan, the podcast will sound perfect and it will be uh, released as a normal episode. And maybe not. Maybe it'll be released as a special episode for our Patreon members. That so if you want, yeah, if you want um, additional content, if you want exclusive content, exclusive access to live streams and access, not access, but just cool merch and stuff like uh, mugs and stickers and t-shirts. Voodoo dolls. And, oh, that's new. I, if I had a Pernell voodoo doll, I would absolutely sleep with it. Yeah. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. You can get all that without not the voodoo doll <laughs> no voodoo yeah uh a little little concerned about the not so much that it's pernell but more concerned about the cultural appropriation of having a voodoo doll yes so but yeah check us out on patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels if you're interested in that stuff and if not that's cool too i hope you enjoyed today's show today's show is a little brought bit to you in part by. <laughs> it did sound a little bit like that uh brought to you in part by wallace and gromit Adventures in Outer Space coming to theaters nearby and afar on July 17th. That's not really happening, but I really wish there were a Wallace and Gromit movie coming out this summer. I'd and, go see it. And Rystar's plumbing service. <laughs> Shoot for the stars. <laughs> Shoot for the stars and get your toilets unclogged. And by viewers like you. Honestly, only viewers like you. This this show is listener-supported. And listener appreciated. Listener hopefully. appreciated. Yeah, absolutely, very much. We appreciate the listeners. Yes. Anyway, this this episode is um, inspired by too many games, and it's been on our list for a while. We're doing too many mechs. Too many mechs. For those of you, too many mechs. For those of you who don't know, mechs for short for mecha, which short which is uh, robot, giant robots, giant bodied bodies, boarding blasters, <laughs> bodaciously. Mmm. <laughs> that starts with an M, not a B. Not a B. Getting bodied. Getting bodied. Yes, right. So, so Mecha have been around in, in video games since the beginning of video games, I feel like, right? Anime, too. Like, I was watching a video clip that a friend shared with me a couple days ago regarding, like, the evolution of, like, the Gundam franchise. And they showed a clip from a Gundam cartoon from or anime from the 1970s. Oh. And then they redid it in 2021. And I was like, wow. Or, I'm sorry, 2022 is a recent thing that they're releasing. And I was like, whoa, look how much anime has changed in this period of time. I wasn't even alive when this thing first came out. 
but it's an interesting thing to see. But mech, uh, <laughs> uh, have, have always been around. It's been a they're just they're, the idea of humans being able to get in mechanized giant versions of ourselves. Yes, and beating things up has always been a dream. Yes, and and not ju- and it's it's very it's it's very much a Japanese thing. I feel like they really embrace it in their cartoons. But very much in America in the 80s, maybe even the 70s. I'm not sure. There's a movie called Robot Jocks. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about it on the show before. I'm pretty sure it might have been late 70s, early 80s. Stop motion animated giant robots fighting each other. But it's in this future where war, uh, um, nations fight each other not with wars, but with like their champion piloting a giant mecha robot as it should be. And it's and as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I'm sure now it's not as neat looking but I think it's I ain't gonna lie I think it still would be neat yeah. looking maybe not as far as technology is <laughs> concerned but the, I always felt like the premise of a, a society where wars were fought mm-hmm. using a very specific and parsed down method yes would be a fantastic thing for everyone's sake well almost say everybody because obviously money would factor into like who could build the best mech for defense of their country or their home in a you know in a form of a conflict, yeah, but, yeah, but like it, imagine if it was like a chess match. It was like disarmament by like a board game. Imagine if <laughs> basically a war broke out between the four time zones in the United States <laughs> for control of the entire United States, for control of all the time zones, of all the time zones, <laughs> and the deciding factor was a game of like wingspan. That'd be amazing. It would be just ridiculous. Like, well, you have an announcer like, oh, my God. I feel like that would only happen after something so extreme, like a global nuclear war, where every board game survived. It wasn't even. Yeah. Where where no one was thinking like, we don't want this again, where it's like, we can't afford to do this again. We need another way to solve disputes. I think Star Trek was kind of like that, too. There's there's something in Star Trek. It was like 2020 or 2030 when something like that occurred. And then that's when the world decides to do away with like global conflict and go to the stars fight Conf- out there. conflict in space yeah fight in space <laughs> fight it out there um but yeah yeah they've been doing that a lot in the new picard series um so check that out that's really really awesome um but no so mecha in games we're gonna have all sorts like like there's gonna be simi type games or simulation type games there's gonna be uh side-scrolling beat-em-ups there's there might be, be cooking type games cooking mecha cooking mecha i wish there were cooking mecha Ooh, just like mecha <laughs> um there's gonna be uh, um strategy games a lot of strategy a lot of mecha strategy games um especially like on the genesis and the super nintendo so um i'm really excited to get into a lot of these now were you always into giant robots, or was, can you think of a time like when you were a kid when you like first discovered Voltron, a giant robot? Was it Voltron? It was absolutely Voltron. Because yeah. obviously Gundam, I want to say Gundam was older, but I didn't find out about Gundam until my late teens. Yeah, and even then, at least at the time, I wasn't as drawn to the old style animation as I would be now. Like now, I'd appreciate it more. But back then, I was like, oh god, Speed Racer. This is the stuff that my uncles would talk about how great cartoons yeah, were. Yeah, and I'm like, this is not good. Now I'm like Speed Racer's fun. I can appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun. It's campy, right? It, yeah, yeah. Maybe like they, maybe they even realized it was campy and they leaned into it. Yeah, for me too. It was um on I forget what day of the week it was, but we'd watch Voltron, and it was right before or right after they played old school Robotech. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with Robotech because I and also we couldn't find any of those toys around here. Like so, or like there were models, but like you had to know where to go. 
especially back then. So, I'm also wondering, I guess technically transform Transformers shouldn't count as mecha because even though they're giant robots, they are they are the robot. Like there's no one piloting them. There's no them. one piloting them, right. Yeah. And I feel like Robotech kinda works because they turn into planes, but like they're mostly robots. Yeah. Right? Um and then in junior high or high school I got into a game called Battletech, which is a tabletop war game in which you play like a little miniature mechas like fighting each other. And we got really into that. And there's like there's a few number of video games based on Battletech because that was a really popular, um, not just a, a, a tabletop war game, but also a tabletop RPG. And honestly, I think it's, well, I, I got to stop doing that. I'm sure T- T- Tim listens to this show. He's like, God, stop saying honestly, Pernil. But honestly. Honestly, uh, you need to quit. With I do honestly. need to quit. Yeah. I really do. But. I got to the habit of looking at my Switch games while trying to come up with this episode, mm-hmm. our tracks for this episode, and I realized I'm at the cusp. It's, it's pretty much done now. I'm down to my last 124 megs of space. What's going to happen? You're going to get a second Switch? No, I got to start getting rid of games mm-hmm. or at least archiving them. I can't believe we're just not considering a second Switch. I have, but we just had a conversation where I'm concerned about spending money on a three-day plane <laughs> trip. So the idea of buying an extra switch is even lower on the t- on the I, scale. I can I can look through your game collection and find some ways to make some money. No, no, no unloading of games. No, hear me out. Hear me out. No, 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 no. Money matches. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> except for the fact that I get so stressed out over money matches. Exactly. No, no, not selling your games. No, I mean uh, playing for money. Gambling. Yeah, I get stressed <laughs> for gambling. And I call him Gambler. <laughs> I've actually tried to do like money matches for like Magical Drop 3. Oh. And that I can do. The ones you're like very confident in. Yeah, yeah but even though I keep the stakes low, I'm like, hey, five bucks yeah. around. And if I lose five bucks, I'm like, oh, that hurts. But it's a what? A, a, not even a combo meal. It's a gallon of gas. They have a Twinkle Star Sprite. I, I, too many games are going to have a Twinkle Star Sprites machine. Are you trying to hit money matches and Twinkle Star Sprites? I'm saying I'll play you for a dollar. Right. Or a slice of pizza, which at too many games is probably twelve dollars. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and honestly, I would, I would. Jeez, t- I gotta stop saying that. I'll take that bet. I would take that bet. Cause I already know the character. I would use everything. You can. I'm t- ready. Instead of saying honestly, you can say, you know what? <laughs> you know what, Bobby? You know what? All right. Uh, let's get into some tunes. We got. I, I have a lot of great music. If Hank Hill piloted a mech, <laughs> it would run on propane. It would run on propane. It would and have he a would giant bring the propane. propane tank. It would definitely shoot fire. Yes. Yeah. I would. I would be the best. See, they're talking about bringing King of the Hill back. Bring King of the Hill back as a mecha ship. Oh yeah, but King of the Hill, like future King of the Hill. You yes. Know? Yeah, that'd be great. King of the King of the Cosmos. I don't know. King but, of like, but I guess he'd have to fight <laughs> against the actual King of the Cosmos. Oh, I don't me- know. The mech ain't right, <laughs> Bobby. Oh, mech ain't right. Get your head out of the stars, Bobby. <laughs> You'll never be a pilot, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, that would, I would watch this. I would watch this show. Right. I'm in. All right, so um, we're odd numbered episode. Today's, today, today's today's podcast is thirty three dash three. So this is this is also three three three. Oh darn it! We wasted the opportunity to use that number. I knew you were gonna like feel bad about that. I feel horrible about it. We could have we could have really used this. I'll come up with something <laughs> later. I'm sure something's gonna happen. All right, so let's start us off. What 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 music do you have for us and the listeners? All right, right this now. comes from a game that I I think we've actually we actually played on the show in the past, which makes me sad because I only got around to playing it myself finally mm. today. What's up? Um, that is the game Metal Storm, and this is level oh. two from that game, composed by Taru Watanabe. And this is for the NES, right? Yeah. Oh, what a great, great game. <laughs> Thank you. 
goes from that's so cool this track goes from 3-4 to 4-4 four, four. yeah so right here it's it's a 3-4 uh, uh, I think it's in a 4-4 four, four. Uh. and then back to the waltz <laughs> yeah, it's such a jammer jammer isn't it so good so you're listening to level two from the game Metal Storm on the release on the Nintendo Entertainment System by Irem Corp, which is a company name I wish was I don't think they're around anymore. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think so. And this was composed by Taru Watanabe. So this is one of those mech games that sat in the pile of like games I wish I could have played back in the day and never got around to playing because I never saw. It. Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen. Um, I've never seen the game in the store. It's okay to say honestly. It really, honestly, it is. <laughs> I've never seen it in the store, but I seen it in Nintendo Power, and I never got around to renting it from the store when I, if I don't even know if I've ever seen it at West Coast Video or anything like that. But I was always renting it. Maybe that's why. You monster! That's I, why I was always going. Because I remember playing this game. I got a little close to the microphone. I remember playing this game a lot, and I think it was because I was able to rent it so frequently. And... Um, it was so hard. I think there's only like five or six stages to the game, but the, uh, the the animation is really, really, really good for the NES. And the size of the of the robots are huge. Yes, and I like the idea that it involves gravity. Not enough games allow you to play around with gravity mechanics. So you walk from left to right, typically on a stage. You shoot and you can jump. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, giant mechs will show up as your opponent, sometimes like turret guns, sometimes like wall-crushing machines and all kinds of things. You need to shoot at them. But the thing that makes this game stand out from the rest of the herd mm-hmm. is that at any time you can pretty much press the jump button in like the up direction pad yeah, on while, the direction pad. Yeah, and, while in the air. And you, can, uh, and you can invert gravity. And everything around you typically inverts with you. Mm-hmm. So if you're walking with a mech and you try to dodge it, if the mech isn't you know, fastened to the ground, it'll, it'll flip to the ceiling too with you. I like this level in particular because the level wraps around. So if you were to just try to invert gravity and shoot upwards, oh, that's right. you just yeah. kind of go to the top of the level, and if you go high enough up, you'll see that where you came from originally, which makes me think that was meant to be like a cylinder. And you're inverting around a cylinder? That makes sense to me, yeah. Like, it was trying to give you that impression that you were, like, kind of... Then that's why it would wrap. Because none of the other stages in the game wrap. It's mainly left to right or kind of a maze. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a maze, too, isn't it? Well, not so much a maze, because you still go left to right, but depending on what, whether you're on the ceiling or on the floor, that determines what paths you'll be able to take when you're going right. Mm-hmm. And you'll get access to certain power-ups and other cases where you won't be able to get certain power-ups. But I like the idea of trying to do that. Just work with that on an NES cart, no less. Because yeah. the only other game I could think of on Nintendo 
or honestly even um, or <laughs> it's okay it's or okay. in that period in time was maybe Mega Man 5 and in that game you couldn't control gravity gravity was determined by the arrows on the board in Mega Man 5 gravity controls you <laughs> so many at the mega uh, yeah it's it's the the the, the that mechanic in this mechanic in this game is integral to the game. Like the game is built around that mechanic, mm-hmm. and because of that, it, it makes it that much more difficult. I th- it's, it's I don't think it's one hit kills, but it just it kind of is. Kind right? of is because once you get hit, like you're just you're messed up. <laughs> no, no. In this game, I believe there's a power up that will allow you to absorb a hit or two. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, but when I was playing it, there were a few times where I would walk up on a guy, he would walk into me, and boom, I was dead. But then there were other times where I would get hit and I'd be able to absorb it. And I think it was due to a power-up I was able to pick up during a stage. Uh, okay, okay. So, that makes sense. But as I was playing an NES game without a manual, those power-ups were just things. I didn't know what they were doing. I just saw the letter A and I wanted it. Yeah, the last time I played this was on an emulator on my DS. And just because like, I remember, I have a lot of fond memories of this game. I needed a map for this stage in particular. Because like, you start going in the wrong direction, you can really get like kind of messed up. Because with a game this difficult... Running into enemies is not optimal. Yes. You want to avoid the enemies. But it was fun to try to mess around with it anyway, just to kind of experience it. I feel like I will go back and try to do a little bit more with it. Right now with the Summer Games Challenge, though, I have to really conserve my game time because I keep stretching myself way too thin. Like, I started playing Monster Hunter Rise. I mentioned it a few episodes back, but I'm actually trying to play it. And as you can probably guess, you're not beating that game. That's not a Summer Games Challenge game, though I am going to still note it on the list because, again, you can't beat the game. So anytime I put onto it, it's going to bloody well count. Right. But I want to finish some games. And Alundra right now is my baby my baby born. That's the one I think I'm going to be able to pull off. And yeah. I honestly realize PlayStation games are still fun. Like PS1 games. Like I go through that library, and yeah, someone might hear me and go, well, just use your emulator, Perno. Everything's emulatable. And this is true. But it feels really cool to open the booklet I got and look, hmm, that game. I'm going to play that. And I bust out the old PS2 because I sold the PS1 system because that stupid spindle was... Every time I had one, the spindle would break off. Oh, like that would hold the disc into place? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you have to push it in just a little bit to release the disc because all of the, the little jewel cases had those. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the PlayStation 1, they were like, we're going to make ours like a Extra really clear, crazy. crystal clear plastic that was kind of hard. And it felt like... I remember when I first saw them, I thought, like, oh, they're, they're really, like, high-end. They're really nice. But, of course, they make it. It's, it's, and because it's such a nice, hard plastic, it's that much more brittle when you push on it. Yeah, so if you're not careful. I wasn't careful. Or I can't believe I remember I just that. broke it. Yeah. So, like, when well, th- those things can be replaced, those insert little plasticky bits. Yeah, but there was no point because, as you can remember, when the PS2 came out and it was fully BC, I, as a broke kid, or I guess I wasn't a kid, I was, like, 20 at the time, it made no sense to keep it. Just get rid of it, trade it in towards your PS2, and have a system that can play both console games without concern. Uh, See, so for me, most of my PlayStation games were not bought legitimately. I were not bought. So I, I had to keep my old PlayStation. <laughs> you had to keep the, mod, the spring loader. Um, no, actually, um, uh, Bill, our friend, he did modifications. Oh, yeah, to the play- full chip mod. So he used to, Okay, here we go. There's a story. It, this is Statue of Limitations is over. He used to work at Barnes & Noble when they had like a CD-DVD section in the back. Uh-huh. And if you would go to the store with your with your system, he would do PlayStations and... I forget what else he did. I think Saturn. Saturn? Yeah. And he'll mod it. He'll do a hard mod for you. 
on, in, behind the counter. He oh, brought, that's pretty awesome. He, he would sit there at the counter, dress up, have a tie on or whatever, and then have his uh, soldering iron and stuff, and he would just handle it for you right there at the shop. That's business. I forget how much he charged people for it, but it was um, it was great. So I had I actually had two PlayStations. I had one. That was, I think it was Christie's or maybe it was my brother's. And then the one I had, a, I had a, like a mark on it to know which one was the one. I Do you still have it? Or did you get rid of it? I think I got rid of it. I'm pretty sure. I think the only system I hung on to is the Dreamcast, which is sitting right there. Well, the Dreamcast is it's a goat. So yeah, it. I mean, I forgot how small that system is. It's it just, sounds like a chainsaw nowadays, but otherwise, it, it's still good. It does mainly because I played mostly Burns on. It. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone did though. Let's Everyone be real did. Here. Yeah, right. I had a ton of purchased games, and I still had a few Burns of my own. All right, well, let's get into some more CD systems here. We're gonna listen to a game called Gun Griffin. This is for the Sega Saturn. The track is called After Conflict, and it's by one of the greats, one of the goats, Motoaki Takanoichi. Yo. Now you can get down with Takanoichi. I could. <laughs>
my God. That was After Conflict, which I believe might be the ending theme to Gun Griffin for the Sega Saturn, composed by Mozo Aki Takanuichi. I think I just melted Brunel's face off. That was really, really good. I've never played this game. We we looked it up on the break, and I can totally see why I didn't play the game. Because it didn't, it probably wouldn't have appealed to me on the shelf back then, that's for sure. But, oh man, this OST track, oh this track, this is good. It's good, right? It's really good. So, this sounds like something I would have been enjoying on the TurboGrafx CD. Yeah, right? Yeah, I, I really, I'm today is all about Sega for me. And we're, I'm, I'm considering my the rest of my final composers for the Masters of EGM. And I was just, I went hard on Sega. Sega got me going hard on Sega. <laughs> Well, Sega had great composers. Choose my words carefully there. And uh, Motowaki Takanuichi um, of Shining Force 2 fame. And you can kind of get a little bit a little bit of that because like in Shining Force 2, it's very militaristic, right? But like the, the themes are super, super heavy in that game. And I feel like the melodies are really, really strong and very complicated. And this has a lot of that going on. But, but man, you want to go back. Because Shining Force 2 did, it didn't have a lot of tracks, but every track in that game is a regular looper in my my soundtrack of the day postings. So I don't know if I'd say they were like heavy in that game, but they were definitely expressive. Very expressive tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think some of my favorites like because it's hard to convey like, this is where this is where it sucks. You're the guy with the words for describing music in regards to a technical standpoint. Well, well like, how, would like, you descri- good. how would you describe it if it were food? Oh, man. We're going, we're going down a crunchy road, huh? It's a little crunchy. Yeah, no, exactly. You can, you can, I, I feel like... I know, that. it's very... Oh, as you know, I could probably do it. It's got a bit of a whip-topping vibe to it. Okay. So, lots of holes for air. Yeah. But the airflow is very relaxing, and yet it also keeps you driven. Kind of like someone spreading it on top of a nice slice of key lime pie. So that... Well, aside from the key lime pie part, it tells me that it's an energetic track that's driving forward, but the instrumentation's kind of sparse, so it has a lot of air within the track. Yeah, it's a little light. All the instruments have a lot of space with each other. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Very light and air. This one's one's full. This track is full on arcade awesomeness. This is someone taking a food processor and just (laughs) jamming it all together. I love this track. Taking the carrots, the string beans. The solos, the the instruments, The ground beef. The ground beef, the the mushy peas, the potatoes. Oh, the the, meat, we're, the we're talking a Thanksgiving smoothie. This is a Thanksgiving track. It's got everything I want for my family. <laughs> um, it's so good. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Gun Griffin. The game Gun Griffin. I'm sure it looks... It's more of a simulation-style game. Uh, it's first person from the perspective of a mecha taking on other things. Very early 3D graphics. Kind of like a Silent Hill 3D graphics meets Descent a little bit. It doesn't look, honestly, it doesn't look that exciting to me. It doesn't. It looks very drab. It kind of gives me the same vibe that a later game did, despite the potential for being an amazing game, which is, gotta hate the fact that I'm, I'm whiffing on it. It had a whole controller. I own the controller. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, uh Steel metal, Battalion. Steel. I almost said metal, metal group, uh, metal, metal Griffin, <laughs> metal Griffin, <laughs> metal Harpy. Yeah, uh, exactly. You want you want more from that game, but really, what that game was about was about how complicated it actually would be to pilot one of these things. Which in itself would be fine, but it was extremely realistic in the sense of 
piloting a mech in the air that game takes place in is like a slow hulking behemoth. Right. And he's like, Brrrr! Like, oh man, I want I want virtual on with that controller. Yeah, yeah. You want you want the the the, the nimbleness of a Gundam fighter bouncing back and forth and dashing. Yes. So this game is it feels it looks much, much more like you're driving a tank around. Yes, and I have no time for that. It's too slow. But in a in a three D space, again, like kind of in a like a sandbox three D space. Uh, in a game from this time period, um, this soundtrack was released in '96, so that's pretty early 3D. Oh yeah, um, it's pretty impressive for them, and it probably would have been a lot of fun. But it reminds me of um, the game Battle Zone, Atari produced in the arcades. You ever play that one? Mm-mm. It's essentially a tank shooter in a 3D space, but it's all wireframed um, enemies okay. because they couldn't shade in any of of the actual polygons. But super, super early 3D that works really well. Maybe on the next break, you got to see if you can pull that up on the screen because I've never seen that. Never seen, ever heard of, it's really old. Um, and I, re- I used to really, really enjoy it. Um, I had an old school uh, versions of it or an emulator for it, for, like when I was a kid. Uh, but anyway, the track's over again. Well, on to your next jammy jam. All right, so I'm going to pick a track where the mech moves like I'd expect a mech to move. <laughs> Gets down like a mech should get down. Okay. Um, this comes from the game Metal Wolf Chaos, and the track title is called Metal Fighter, and it is composed by Kota Hoshino and Shohei Tsuchiya. <laughs>
Welcome back. You are listening to Metal Fighter from the game Metal Wolf Chaos, originally released on the original Xbox. I hate that they named the new the, one of the newest Xbox One yeah, because can't, I can't call it the Xbox One or the first Xbox. Because we can say PlayStation or PlayStation One. We can get away with that. Yeah. In fact, they call it PS1. It's PS1. Can't say Xbox One because there's an actual console called Xbox One. <laughs> Bloody hell. Anyway, this was composed by Kota Hoshino, not Shohei Tsuchiya. I wish it were. But that doesn't diminish the fact that this track is a friggin' banger. Oh, it's really, really, really good. Um, this whole soundtrack is really cool. Yes. And it's amazing that it took us until like, 2019 or so for it to finally come out in the States. That's a, for, for the original Xbox? No, it got ported to the oh, Xbox, sorry, to it wasn't. Xbox yeah. One. Um, so we should say also that um, the composer Kota Hoshino is a fr- is from the, in the From Software sound team, which I didn't know until now that they had a sound yeah. team. But the one uh, Shohei Suchia works in Zuntada. Yes, which is um, what, that's the. I was that, that's I'm gonna say Namco, but it's not Namco. It's no. Taito. Taito, the Taito sound team. Yes. So it's and kind of a this. So this soundtrack's got the Taito sound team, the From Software sound team, and I actually wonder if. He was a part that they were considered. Well, I guess they were Zuntada because Zuntada's been around forever. Yeah, but it time, makes me wonder time. if he was a part of Zuntada at the time or if he was just kind of moonlighting away from them to work on this OST. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe this game was a, a, a combination, you know, like a From Software and Taito kind of working together. Yes, that's possible. Or I, maybe, I don't know the or history. Maybe, or maybe just the musicians working together because, like, they have kind of very similar sensibilities. I can see that. Yeah, because you were you were coming into our house. You you came to the house and you were playing it on your on your phone. <laughs> yeah. So for those who are like, what's he talking about? So there's another game that I know Shohei Shuchia's name from, and when I saw his name listed alongside on this OST, I was like, I know that name from somewhere, and then it clicked. He did a lot of my favorite tracks from the arcade game Groove Coaster. Yeah. And I listened to Play Merrily and Just a Friend a lot. Also, Fess Up. I want to say he did Fess Up also. All good songs. And he's done so many other ones that I'm not even naming right now. But this guy, well, not the guy who composed this track, but Shohei is a freaking beast. I kind of want to hear more of Koto, Kota Hoshino's stuff now because... Well, we're about to. I, am, I love <laughs> this tune. And we, we, I, I picked from Armored Core, forgetting that Armored Core was a From Software joint <laughs> with Kota Hoshino on it. So we're going to hear some more from him. But I also, because um, uh, Dedeko, the, uh, the, the DJ that we had as a guest a few episodes back, which if you're listening to this episode and you like this... Go back and check that episode out. Yes. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he was like, he's in love with that guy. He loves everything he does and was really impressed by how different it is for a video game. And so I, that's where I went to. Um, but I got to say, before we move to the next track, oh, though, yeah, 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 just yeah. in case anyone's listening to this and they somehow don't know the premise of this game and how amazing the premise is. Oh, that's right. Especially in the current, I mean, this is not even taking the political, just if you're familiar with what's going on in regards to certain bickerings between the previous president and vice president, this resonates well because the premise of this game is the president of the United States in this context piloting a mech against the vice president of the United <laughs> States because the vice president was attempting a coup of America and the president wasn't having it. So him and his secretary are just like going around just like smashing up mecha armies in this. <laughs> and she's like having these like really hilarious quips with him. During the scenes where it's like, Mr. President, your poll numbers are going up. Look at the, look at them. All these explosions are great for your ratings. It's like <laughs> those weird statements like that. And it's, and it's a it's a Japanese developer. Like, what were they thinking about? Like, like oh well, Americans are crazy and they love blowing stuff up. So this is the story. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie to you. 
for me at least, mission accomplished because the premise is so absurd. What's also interesting is that this is not released in the States, even though it's a game about an American president smashing up things with his giant robot. Yeah, it originally came out back in like 2004 or so. Maybe we just weren't ready for that. Or something, got, or maybe they just got tied up in localization efforts uh, for all we know, be, because yeah. it was always in English. Like I remember our friend Max, he loved this game back then. He would always tell stories about it, but it didn't get to the states until it got a, a port Actually, to this, the Xbox One in 2019 or so. This sounds like a Max game. Like <laughs> he'd be like, hey "Guys, guys, when you play this game, you're the president, <laughs> but you pilot a giant mech and you destroy." And I just, I can see his face just like tears of laughing so hard trying to get the story out. Oh, it's great. It's, it's great. great. I, I, I will tell you to this Love point, man. if you were to just say drop a couple coins just to mess around with this game, you can definitely tell it's a PS uh, uh, 2004 release, just mm. straight up. Nonetheless, also early from software, and if you think Dark Souls can get clunky and slow, yeah, you can. <laughs> but this game is still fun, despite all of that it holds up in the humor department, the WTF factor, mm-hmm. and just, I want to have a good time for a little while. Let's turn my brain off and have some fun. Well, this music, I, to me, that's that's good time music right here. Yes. It's really, really good. So our next track is also from software, or from the from from software. The title is Armored Core 4, again by Kota Hoshino. We have, it's arranged by Ayako Minami. And talk about clunky. Armored Core is all about clunky robot gameplay. Like, <laughs> it is not designed to be like fast, you know, paced. Slow, methodical. Very slow, very methodical, very difficult controls. So this track is called Twist It, composed by Koda. Twist It Good. Twist It Good. Composed by Koda Hoshino and arranged by Ayako Minami.
That was Twist It from the game Armored Core 4, composed by Kota Hoshino and arranged by Ayako Minami. Man, that's good, right? <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I didn't even sound right. But <laughs> I love that component of the song. It made me feel good. It did that thing where sound just kind of passes through your ears and you just kind of feel it. Oh, you just feel it. You just feel it. It's so... And it's just that it's got that driving kind of classic punk sound where there's not a it's not a whole lot happening. You know what I mean? Like the um, like that that bass line doesn't change a whole lot. The guitar doesn't change a whole lot, but it does a whole lot with the rhythm. And it just sounds like dirty. You know, it sounds raw. It does. As I love, but that that voice is clearly sampled from something, and it's been twisted a little bit, <laughs> twisted, to to not sound like what she's probably saying. And it just it sounds great. It sounds really, really great. It sounds like LCD sound system to me. You ever hear of them? I'm gonna write that down. They're one of my favorites. LCD sound system. I'm writing that down to listen to later. Not LED, LCD. I wrote, I wrote LCD. You didn't see nothing. <laughs> you saw nothing. See, LCD, soul system, I mean, sound system. Everything. And if you want, everything's awful. If you want, uh, if you can find it, there's a documentary called "Shut Up and Play the Hits." Which is like their 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 last go, uh, farewell concert. They've done at least four farewell concerts. Okay, because <laughs> they keep, they keep coming back. They keep coming back. They can't they can't give it up. I mean, I can see it being a case like, okay, we're done. We're tired of this. Let's have a farewell show. And then five years ago, I was like, wait, we're not dead yet. <laughs> why are we? Why do we stop? We still well, like music. Well, the, the, to talk uh, not talk about Koda Shino, but LCD Sound System. The the, the lead singer star. He started the band when he was like forty five, or forty. So he or started that late. Yeah, he started late. Yeah. And um, and it just took off. So he's like he's, a, he's a bit older now. <laughs> like my one of my favorite bands, yeah. Biss, they're actually they made a comeback after being gone for like a good decade and a half. Mm. Wow. And it's interesting to see them like post videos of themselves composing and mixing music now because I want to say they're like in their fifties or early sixties, maybe late maybe fifties more so because they yeah. were top of the pop. Music and, like, like never music never leaves you. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you've, if you've played it and written it for so long. What a thing about it, though, is like when they first hit the scene, their whole image was like, we are like young adults who <laughs> refuse to grow up. That was their shtick. Yeah. And then yeah. they yeah. grew up, so they had to kind of get <laughs> with the you times. Can't, you can't fight that. No, they can't. <laughs> so it's interesting to hear them come back now trying to compose music, and they, have, they still have that youthful energy. But you can tell us, like, yeah, these are adults composing now, but they are okay with that, and it's still awesome music, and I love giving it a listen. It's been great. Yeah. Um, but it's also still got some absurd lyrics sometimes, too. <laughs> uh, that's what I love, though. I mean, like, even like something like this, like you could say this has absurd lyrics, because it's like lyrics not to be lyrical, but just as another instrument. Another instrument. Another instrument in the song. That's how I listen to metal. Um, and, and to me, like, I played... Armored Core 1 and Armored Core 2, which were on the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2, um, uh, uh, respectively. And it's like the music from those games and then the music from this, I'm like, what did I miss when I stopped playing these games, you know? Because, like, the music from those games is, like, kind of cool 90s, like, ooh, techno, futuristic sound, but kind of grimy, too. And this is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're playing rock music today. Yeah, I'm like, all in. But a really clever, like, it's... It does sound kind of futuristic a little bit, doesn't it? I kind of, but this is telling me now, especially the keyboard this, that comes in the end. Yeah, both of the tracks we just picked from were from software games, and for those anyone who's been paying attention to video games in the last decade can tell you at this point that they're pretty much all in on the Souls franchise because right. that's where they're making their money. 
I kind of want to see a Souls mech game. Like, I want to see them merge the two franchises now, or styles of gameplay. Like, what if we took a mecha and threw it in a world that just kept evolving over time? Like, it was just like this weird pocket dimension mm. that would reset itself here and there, which is how you can get the whole Souls concept. And they're like, the, the pilot gets thrown back every time his mech blows up or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and, and that same huge universe with all that additional, like, like lore and story, but, but all about mecha. Yes, yeah. I would be happy to. He's like these weird, grotesque mutant mechs. Oh, that'd be cool. Like Cronenberg mechs, and they're fighting those <laughs> out in the wastelands. Yeah, I would play that. I would play that. Where it's like half mech, but like the arms are where they shouldn't be, and like maybe part of it's made out of like animal skins. Yes, that would be cool. Yes, right? Yeah, I would play it, and I bet it would shake up the franchise too. Like this is the soul. We're taking the Souls franchise to strange <laughs> new be- places. Number eight. Number eight. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Maybe, maybe that'll be Armored Core 8. Who knows? <laughs> All right, um, we're on to your last track of the set. All right, so this one's going back to being a little on the lighter side because for some reason, despite having not played my own freaking copy of the game, I decided I wanted to pull from it because the OST is honestly very good, and it's my guy. So this comes from the game Kirby Planet Robobot. The track <laughs> title is called Heart of Steel, and it's composed by Hirokazu Ando.
Welcome back. You're listening to Pink Ball Activate from the game Kirby Planet Robobot, composed by Hirokazu Ando, released on the 3DS, and apparently there's actually album version that's not called Heart of Steel, but apparently every singular place you generally find it referenced, people refer to it as Heart of Steel. Yeah. And it might be related to the game, but I don't know. Why? Because I'm holding my copy in a shrink wrap right here. Say, it's covered in plastic. Yeah. My game has a heart of plastic. Uh... So I bought the game when it came out. Ooh, Can you be bags. surprised to hear that I've never opened my copy and played it? But power up with robot armor and then inhale enemies to gain their abilities. That's classic Kirby. That's what Kirby does. He eats and he yeets. Um, <laughs> that's what he, he <laughs> eat and eat. He yeet Kirby Quest. Uh, but I generally just buy Kirby games when they come out. Whether or not I have time to play them is another story. <laughs> but I am a sucker for Kirby fun. So. I can see myself playing around with this over the weekend, but let's be realistic here. I'm going to get home, probably consider opening it, and then go, no, i got to finish a Lundra for, you know, for a summer game challenge. Yeah, got to do a Lundra. Got to finish a Lundra for the first time ever. So so what? what is, do you know what like the hook of this one is other than just robots? Well, that is pretty much the hook. In this Kirby game, his planet gets invaded by robots, apparently, from another robotic universe, and he becomes capable of piloting a mecha suit. And the pilot in the mecha suit can be imbued with typical Kirby abilities too, so it gets like I guess like electrical fa- electrical powers or fire powers. But then when he's not pawing the mech, he can become a doctor. What's that game? That Most people go to get a PhD. <laughs> he just eats some. He just eats a medical professional and becomes a doctor. The easy way out. He of goes course. to school, but he eats all of his teachers. <laughs> he doesn't even go to school. He just goes to the hospital Spits and eats the first yeah. guy he walks up. I'm feeling kind of sick. Oh, what a cute little. <laughs> so what? What game is it where people are posting the memes of like Kirby like eating like a refrigerator and a car? And oh, that's the newest one, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. So, so in one, the first Kirby game ever, which I kind of chuckle at, because as much as as fun as the game is. They've had Kirby games where he's been able to absorb like an entire star system in a sense. Like he has like this weird cosmic consumption power. But in this game, he can't swallow a car. It gets stuck in his mouth and he dry and somehow so, that gives him the ability to control the car. Which which is interesting because in this game he doesn't consume the robot to become the robot. He just he pilots, he pilots it. it. He gets inside of it. He's like, Oh, I know what to do about this. I've <laughs> I've watched Gundam. He just <laughs> ate, I mean, apparently he ate a mech. He ate a Gundam pilot. He ate the mech, yeah. And now he's able to pilot mechs. That's what it is. He didn't eat the mech, he ate the mech pilot. He ate the pilot. And he has pilot powers. A cute little evil devil him. Kirby is <laughs> I've I've said it in the past and I stand by it. Kirby is one of the most powerful video game characters in existence. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I had one him, friend right. refers to him as an eldritch god. Yeah. He's one of the old gods. He's probably or Kirby has been. Kirby was here before. He is here with us now. <laughs> he, and he will be. Here be after. He will be here long after we're gone. That's yeah. right. Because yeah. he he is. I mean, for I'm as not long as people to- can draw a circle, <laughs> they have Kirby. And two little eyes will have Kirby. He'll be here. <laughs> and if you might be thinking, Pernell, how is that possible? That makes no sense. Like, genuinely. Think back on some of the Kirby games you may have played from beginning to end. That's very important. you got to remember the endings of these games and who his final opponents tend to be. And also just what he's capable of and how resilient he is. Kirby is busted. <laughs> he's absolutely busted. And you can only imagine the fact that it is in Smash Bros. I love the fact that they were so committed to the Kirby character that they gave him a new hat for every character they introduced. I love that. Every too. single character. So he's able to consume them and take their and have a hat on yeah, them. Yeah. yeah, because he gets. If you're not sure how familiar you are with the Smash gameplay style, but you know, there's like the A button and the B button, and the direction you press does an attack. Right. Yeah. So the standing B button is like a 
special for a character, like a general special attack. If Kirby eats a character, he gets that character's special B attack. Mm. And he gets the hat to show that that's the power he's got. So early on in the games, it was like, okay, Kirby can get 10 different powers. Big freaking whoop. And then it was like, Kirby can get like 23 powers. <laughs> okay, we're getting a little spicy here. And now we're to the point where it's like, Kirby can get like 85 different powers and we can't stop this trade. So I've been playing more because my nephews um, are really into it. That's like the only game they have on the Switch, which I think is a little disappointing. Yeah, that uh, and they, don't, they don't so much. They don't play it a whole lot. I argue with those but, kids uh, all the time. Like, get more games. We were all there and their older brother was visiting. So there's four of us and we were all playing it. And the first few Unlocking games, characters. Uh, we did unlock somebody. I forget who. And uh, but the the first few matches, I was sort of like, oh, I, I can't play this game. I'm no good at it. And um, the youngest was playing um, King K. Rule and just like just beating everybody out. Oh, King K. Rule is busted. He's yeah. also a broken character. But I mean, but well, I don't want to say broken. But, but he's also, really he's only twelve. And I have like thirty years of playing fighting games, so like after doesn't, but it doesn't particularly no, translate to it that. D- it really does, because after two or three, after two or three games, I was like, oh, that's right. He doesn't know things about like, um, you know, staying out of reach or juking. You know, like uh, just getting in and oh, getting so the out. mind games are still there. Yeah, he's like he's just standing around doing like I can do this and I can do that, and everyone falls for it. And I'm like, I can. I'm just, just gonna keep throwing objects. I can at just you. fake him out. I'll fake him out. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, he is. That's all fighting game stuff, man. This is the the the, the um so. He was still beating on his other brothers, though, so it always came down to me. <laughs> I just had to confirm just because some people were like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, when I was saying it doesn't translate, what I was referring to is more along the lines of when you go into a fighting game, if I was playing against you it's in, very, say, like Street Fighter Five, it's very different. I yeah. suck at inputting moves, and I can't oh, keep that flow going. But actual Smash mechanics, Brothers, yeah, yeah. yeah, the mechanics, it's like Smash Bros. even though I don't have Control. the... Uh, ultimately, a really good fighting game player will still probably s- smash me up, but... Just by virtue of the gameplay styles and how the controls work, a novice can come in and start to pick it up faster. Yeah, it's actually hard for me because I'm so used to having like you know, the, like the Street Fighter Six buttons, each one doing something completely different. And Which this is why one's she's like, like Ryu and Ken, because if I remember correctly, you can use their normal inputs in that game to do their specials. I oh, that, that and is, they're more powerful if you do them. Oh, I should I should definitely play them then um, because. I only use the tiny little half controller. Oh yeah, that's frustrating. And um, that's all they got. And then like. Forward B or regular B, like it confuses me every time. And even in like the new Street Fighter like five, there's characters that fight like that, mm-hmm. and I I can't play them. I just I get so mixed up. I have to have like quarter circles. I have to have. I'm gonna have to keep that in mind. If I ever go over and knowing I'm going to be playing Smash, because I got to charge a controller or bring both of my Joy Cons for one controller or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's, I, ain't, I ain't there to mess around. I'm there to win. Yeah, I would love to have a more comfortable gaming experience and beat them faster there you go all right so my last track is coming from another uh cd oh this is sega cd i'm sorry from a sega cd title called battle core the track is called aqua sector and it is composed by martin iveson with guitar by anthony wielden
You're listening to Aqua Sector from the game Battlecore for the Sega CD. Music composed by Martin Iveson featuring Anthony Wielden on guitar. Pretty pretty slick stuff, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I like it. I'm just bopping over to boom, boom, boom. It's great, great stuff. It's such a it's such a groove too. And the game again, this is in the vein of um, Gun Griffin, where it's kind of a simulation-looking style game, very early 3D gameplay, and uh, 2D on 2D sprites on 3D spaces. So in this case, like you're actually, it actually looks like you're inside, you're inside the cockpit of something, and you're looking out into the space, but you're very slowly moving forward or backwards and left and right, and shooting 2D sprites in a 3D space. Mm-hmm. But this music is. Oh, it is a jam. Oh, it's a jam. And the funny thing about Sega CD, looking back on the games that released on this system, I had Prize Fighter, we had Sewer Shark, mm-hmm. and we didn't have, thank heavens, we didn't have Marky Mark, whatever we, the crap that game Oh, you, you didn't own that game. We did not. I was like, I was like oh, we had that in the States. <laughs> like, aside from those two that I named, Sewer Shark and Prize Fighter, every game I had personally on that system, with the exception of Dark Wizard, which is I also personally liked, was pretty much made by working design or ported by working design, so they were pretty much game arts games. Okay, and uh, I'm thankful for that because that was my Sega. Those were my primary Sega CD experience games. Oh, Popful Mail, so Falcom. So that's good. I mean, those, those I mean, those games are worth quite a fortune now. Yeah, I think I still have. I don't have the Lunars anymore because I sold those when I got my Saturn. But a friend and listener, I think he still listens to the show, Dave. Uh, Dave Taylor, he pretty much gave me out of a gift. He gave oh, me yeah. a, a mint copy of Popful Mail that he found like cheap at like a flea market. Wow! He was like, "I could have flipped this for a lot, but I know <laughs> you've been looking for this game, so here you go." I'm like, that's "Oh god, so, that's so nice." Um, I yeah, still and, have it. In high school, we were collecting a lot of uh, classic systems, and uh, Chris, our friend Chris, mm-hmm. he uh, he found a Sega CD, and like I think the only game he had for it was like Sewer Shark and something. Oh god! Else. But like he was he is. Like of all of us, and we were into like the campy stuff. He loved camp. He loved John Waters movies. He loved Plan Nine from Outer Space. He loved all that campy, like the early '60s Batman. But he still loved Sewer Shark because it was campy. Like all of like this, the really old, early like full motion video games were like. It reminded me of Captain Power. Like I finished Sewer Shark. Yeah, it was Captain, I don't know Captain why. Captain Power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So was, for those who are like, what the heck are you guys talking about again? Because we're old people. Uh, Captain Power was a toy line that came out back in the 80s, and you would go out to the store, you would buy the actual ship that you quote-unquote piloted. It, it was like, like a, a ship that was on like a trigger, like a gun handle and a trigger, right. and you just held the ship and you pulled the trigger to fire the gun's lasers, but you would also purchase VHS tapes that you would put into a VHS player, right. and it would play a cartoon that was like, hey, you're going on a space mission. And during the mission, when planes were on the screen flying around, they would fire bullets, and they would also have like their thrusters exposed with this like I, I don't even know what the technology was called, but essentially like, these like red pixelated looking spots. Yes, that would reflect light back at your ship. Right, it was very similar to how a duck hunt worked, where when you just fire the gun, the screen blanks out, and everything is black except for where the hitbox is, which is white. Mm-hmm. And the gun itself would just look for illuminated pixels. But these toys, I, th- I guess they were looking for specific 
colors that were anywhere else in the frame mm-hmm. except for those one places. And so you would, as a kid, you would fly the ship at the screen and move it around, avoiding the the, the bad things, and then trick, pull the trigger on the good things. And I guess it kept score. I never had one. I but, I, but the show, I used to watch the show. On I used TV. to watch the show. I loved it because you could still you could play the game with the show on TV. Which I thought was super novel. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I just remember every time you finish a section of the thing, it's like, okay, charging lasers. Like, burp, 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 burp. I remember the uh, the, the the enemy ships were called Biodreads. Wow, that's good memories. That's, I had no idea what they were called. That's all I remember from that show. That that and the, and the toys, which you know my family never really got. So, but yeah, watching the show, I used to love all that stuff. Um, Man. Just think back. On I, I, I listen to this music. And we're talking about this 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 old show and this old game. I'm like, I bet you if we go back, music in that show is nothing like this. Oh God, no. <laughs> it was well. I mean, they laid on the table. The music was pretty much standard fare, like GI Joe, uh, Centurions, that style of music. So typical Hannibal, not Hannibal, but typical 80s cartoons by like, what was it like something Spears? Uh, I'm just going to come back to me like Bramley Spears or something. Oh, right, yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm but we should say uh, uh, the, the music before this fades out here. Uh, Martin Iveson, um, he worked on uh, the later Tomb Raider games in uh, the 2000s, such as Tomb Raider Gold, Tomb Raider The Lost Artifact. Um, he worked on Chuck Rock 2. He Ruby worked- Spears. There we go. Ah. He did sound production on GTI Club in 2008, which is really, really good. And then um, one of like one of the one of the best. Uh, Amiga soundtracks, Jaguar XJ220, really, really, really good, um, really, really good soundtrack. Really great theme music. Martin Iveson. Once I saw the name Martin Iveson, I was like, we got, we got to listen to this today. Okay, um, the track is fading out, and we are getting into the part of the show that we call the bonus round. Ruby Spears. Uh, <laughs> oh, you I found mean, it. Bonus, <laughs> Spears. bonus round. Also, but- Ruby Spears cartoons. <laughs> Bonus Spears. <laughs> uh, bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements and sometimes just more either wacky or vocal tracks that we wouldn't normally play in the normal segments of our show. And uh, I think that's what you did also. I did this. I did that. I absolutely did because I found this track for a game that, again, is in my library of games. It's the game that I went looking for on my Switch when I mentioned digging through the library earlier. I need to start playing it, though. But it doesn't matter. I lost the opening, and that's enough for me for now. And I got this track. This track is really good. What's the track? It's called Dash and Strike, and it's from the game Hardcore Mecha. I don't know what other consoles it's on, but I do know it's on the Nintendo Switch. And it's composed by Daisuke Kurosawa featuring Hironobu Kageyama.
Welcome back. You are just listening to Dash and Strike, the theme from the game Hardcore Mecha, composed by Daisuke Kurosawa, featuring Hironobu Kageyama. Now, you don't know that name, but if you watch anime in any shape or form, and in a number of ways even played a number of video games over the years, you've heard that voice. You know that voice. Um, I didn't even realize it until like later on, but... I knew this voice from two shows particularly, and then an unexpected third source. This guy's been doing vocals for shows since the early 80s. He did the theme song for Dragon Ball Z, Chala Hey Chala. He did the theme song for the anime Zinky, which I one of the first animes I'd ever watched mm, wow. back in the early 90s. Um, he did the theme song for Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, if you played that on the Institute Forum, was like... We like, played that on the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the vocalist for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's done so many. Like, I'm, if, I'm, if I could just... He's so animated. His voice is so animated. Yeah. Like, he, this, this passion. Like, he has been around the block. I swear. Like, I'm looking through this list of stuff, and a part of me just feels like... There's tracks on here that I probably don't even realize are tracks I've heard just because the names don't stand out to me. But he's been at this since at least 1981. He's wow. been at this my entire life. <laughs> That's amazing. He's been working on theme songs my entire life, and he's still doing it. And he's, and he's still awesome at it. This, yes, This he game is. is a newer game, newer title? Yes. So I might be wrong on the date for it because... Yeah, I buy games just on a whim sometimes. 
But uh, I want to say this was 2020. Okay. So within the, within the last at least the last five. Years. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> last five years. Absolutely, cool, last five cool. years. This is really good. My track is not as animated. <laughs> so we're going back to Battlecore for the Sega CD uh, with Martin Iveson and Anthony Wielden. This is the ending theme, and there is a voice actor in the game that plays like a colonel or like your boss, and he talks to you throughout the game, and he's kind of jokey, he's kind of silly, and we're going to listen to the ending theme, and the ending theme, he's also talking to you, and he gets a little silly here as well. Um, this is from the soundtrack that I could find online. It's hard to find anything more about this game on YouTube. I'm going to have to, to find like an emulation of it or something just to get more from it. But here we go. The ending theme from Battlecore, Martin Iveson with Anthony Wielden featuring um, in-game voice by Guy Miller. Real fine, sweet me. You finally showed what you're made of. Brings a tear to my eye just to think about it. Congratulations and all that backslapping kind of stuff. Well done. Real great. Nice working with you. We should really do this again sometime. Make it soon. It was a real blast. You took them out. Bye. 
Yeah, this is a podcast. I'm glad you like it. We should get married sometime. <laughs> Half kids, five kids, three so girls, weird. three boys, it's, two girls. It's a funky, funky jam, and clearly someone was having a, a really fun time doing the a grand old just, time. just talking over it. That was the ending theme from Battlecore from the Sega CD, composed by Martin Iveson, guitar by Anthony Wielden. And I'm pretty sure that's Guy Miller doing the in-game voice, getting a little silly at the end of the game there. Um, I'm not sure. I, again, I think this is from, like, it's actually ripped from in-game, but it could be, like, an official CD or maybe official recording that they did. And, like, they, maybe they were just like, okay, we'll just be silly. This is the ending of the game, so. Let's have fun. You yeah. beat the game. Congratulations. Because there's no there's no voiceover in any other tracks that I was able to find. Like, the, the last track was all just, you know, instruments, so. Um, I'm glad you picked that. Yeah, like <laughs> it's a good beat, way to kind of beat the game. Kind of, kind of close the show out on something a little funny there. So, but hey, as a ending from Battlecore for the Sega CD, and for more information on the bonus round, please go to rhythmandpixels.com, where we have links to uh, artists, Bandcamp, SoundClouds, YouTube pages, where you can go find music and you know stream or buy the music and support these artists. Thanks for joining us on episode 33-3 of Rhythm and Pixels. Too many mechs. Too many mechs. Too many, Too many mechs. mechs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is fun. Yeah, this is... I, I always love like when we get to the end of the episode, and I think, man, every track was awesome. Yeah, this has been a... I mean, you, only, you made the comment, but I'll, re, I'll reiterate. This is, has been a very excellent, sound-heavy episode. Yeah. And I... It's really interesting. It makes me think I need to play more mech games <laughs> or just sit down with more of them. Though, whoever is listening, if you're listening to this right now, you might be finding yourself thinking, like, this is clearly not from a mech game. And you would be right. It's not. And I don't care. I mentioned Shohei Tsuchiya earlier. I was wrong about him composing the track for Metal Wolf Chaos. I wanted him on the show. <laughs> Rob obliged. So this is from uh, Groove Coaster, and it's called Just No Friend. It's one of those tracks that I play obsessively to get a perfect score. Well, I mean, it sounds like it could be within that game that we heard, uh, Metal Fighter or Armored Metal Wolf Chaos. Yeah, exactly. Metal, Metal, yeah, Metal Wolf Chaos. Like, it really does sound like it could be in one of the soundtracks. So. Just like dashing around, blasting buildings. Yeah. Um, it's got a really cool sound to it. I'm really, really into it. Wait, every track but he's done for this I game. Also, I also so like good. it. I mean, sometimes we, I think we adjust the order in which we play our songs to kind of fit each other's like picks. Yeah. Um, like, like we're like we're DJing like a party or something, but, <laughs> but this one at all, like aside from the NES style track at the very beginning, everything was like kind of like right on. So even the Kirby track. Yeah, Kirby, Kirby doesn't mess around. I told you. He's a guy. <laughs> He's a guy. All right. So if you want to um, know, learn more about our show, uh, if you want to contact us, We'll tell you all about it. If you want to get a, if you have a track suggestion or a topic suggestion, or if you just want to say hello, you can uh, send us an email, rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And for a full track listing from this episode and all of our episodes and access to all of our episodes, go to the website, rhythmandpixels.com. We have a link to our Discord at the top of the webpage. So you can click that and you can join the Discord. And me and Pernell are usually hanging out in there. And there's a lot of other um, uh, listeners. There's a lot of other uh, podcasters in like the VGM podcast world. And there's a number of us. So if you like this show, there's a lot of other great video game music podcasts that you can explore. Some are silly. Some are more serious than ours. Maybe get involved with the, what is it, the the, video, the VGM podcast cinematic universe. Yeah. 
It's been going. It's it's been six movies, and I I, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> I can't keep up. With it's them it's all. when it's when us, uh, a VGM journey, and XVGM radio in the Legacy Music Hour we get together and we form the Avengers. All right. But I'm, trying, I'm actually trying to think of a better, like, a, uh, like a more like BGM really call theme. It called the Revengers. <laughs> the Revengers. The Reverbers. The Reverbers. The the the, the event the uh, VGMers. <laughs> We're just burning things. Uh, of VGMers. Um. So yeah. So check them out. There are some great great podcasts out there. If you look them up, and we have them linked on our YouTube page as well. So if you uh or have a hankering for some more video game music, you can get access to all of our shows on our, web, our YouTube page. And we also have a 24-7, 8-bit and 16-bit station uh, radio station playing. Nothing but 8-bit, 16-bit classics, uh, deep cuts. It's all curated music um, by myself and Brunel. That's my secret, Rob. Mm. I'm always jamming. You're just jamming all day long. That's right. You never stop popping. <laughs> never stop popping. <laughs> Don't stop popping. Don't stop, never stop popping. Um, <laughs> so check that out on YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash rhythm and pixels. Really easy to find. If you just type rhythm and pixels, all one word is usually the best way to get it, to find us anywhere else. Check it out there. And if you want to support the show, uh, the best thing you can do is to tell people about it. Tell people that you're into video game music and that you're listening to this cool podcast. You can um, subscribe or click the like button on whatever platform you're listening to. That helps us out a whole lot too. Site walk chalk it. Yeah, I love that idea. Make a huge like Purnell sidewalk chalk man, <laughs> rocking out to like a boombox, you know, and then and then beep and then and then break dance on top of the picture of Purnell. There it is, rhythm and pixels bobbing pop. <laughs> I love that. Throwing down the beats. Um, you can also support us by going to Patreon, Patreon.com/slash rhythm and pixels, and there all of um all of the money goes towards the the, the file hosting. It goes towards uh, equipment. It goes towards us traveling to uh, conventions to present the show there. So um, that is super helpful to us. You get, and by a member, you get access to exclusive content. You get access to like additional content. In, in old episode, like the, our, our episode zero is on there. If you want to look back for that one, which on a random side note, I might be able to start putting some other things. Like I actually ordered a video capturing software, which came in the mail today, or hardware came in the mail today, so I can actually finally start getting like gameplay footage recorded. Without having to rely on whatever PlayStation or Xbox oh, has embedded in their system, that's great. I mean, we may have some like Purnell like Let's Plays like exclusively on the Patreon. That'd be kind of fun. That'd be hilarious. I, I can get down with that. Yeah. The best part about it is like if you record the footage in advance, I can like I can talk in spots where it actually makes sense. Oh, you can to. go back and, re- and voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that. That'd be really cool. So yeah, expect that on the Patreon. You also get cool stuff like uh, stickers, mugs, T-shirts. Um, that's all also available on the Patreon. And there's a li- uh, monthly live stream where we record an episode live uh, once a month. We have a Patreon audience on the stream, and we, we joke around with the audience. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so every four episodes, you'll, you'll see us talking about that's what our shows four are. Four or five. Four or five, give or take, right? Um, and then at the end of every episode, we'd like to thank all of our Patreon members who are at the highest levels. We'd like to thank uh, Brooke and, frankly, Zappa. Both of you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It means so, so much to us that you are um, uh, a Patreon members at the ultimate Red Book audio level. Um, we also I, like to... Hmm? I, I just wish Brooke would pop in on one of the live streams one of these days. <laughs> She's just been awesome with supporting, but she doesn't show up. She's just like, I like helping because I like your show. No, that's that's great. The live streams is tough because like it's scheduled and you got to yeah. be available. So um, We also want to thank uh, One, the number one. We don't have a, a name, just the number, number one. one. Number uh, one. GameFan44, we have a name and a number. GameFan44. Uh, Mike Myers, the Turianator. Ulf Person, Vashon8060, Alex Messenger, a host of AVGM Journey, a fantastic podcast. 
Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito, host of the Heroes 3 podcast, a podcast all about uh, Asian cinema and Kung Fu movies. I want to thank Chris Steenerson, Chris Weisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. Uh, Christopher Senstrom, Chuck Kowalski, Davey Cakes, David Taylor, Enchilada Bregol, Harold Howard, uh, Triple Jeff. <laughs> Just, Try Jeff. Uh, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, a fantastic VGM podcast, which he hosts with Mike Levy. Keith Shusterman, uh, Martyrus, uh, Martyrus, who is it? Tiris? Martin, Martyrus. Martyrus. Right. Uh, Martyrus, the host of the ReVGM podcast, a podcast only about arrangements and remixes and covers. Uh, Michael Bridgewater, Dr. Michael Bridgewater. Uh, Rage Cage, host of the VGMporium. All the muck that spit the rake on Clarence. Asley, he, he's going to do the episode that I joked about a couple weeks ago. He's going to do it. I look forward to it. <laughs> So thank you, uh, where was it, Rage Cage, uh, Reinhard Silkova, Sleepy Smart, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilson, host of the VG Embassy, and Zach Thornbach. Thank you, and many, many more. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support of our little podcast. We thank you for supporting us. Really appreciate it. It guys, it goes a long way. Like, it just, you get, like, you see people, like, support the show. It's like, you know, people are listening. People are interested in the show. So thank you thank for you. having our backs. Thank you very, very much. Um, so yeah, so t- again, uh, we'll be at Too Many Games this coming Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Check us out. We'll be hosting our Masters of VGM podcast. So it's going to be uh, fantastic music from fantastic composers. And we're going to have some games. And we're going to have some fun jokes and talk uh, with the audience as well. Hopefully there's a there's a good-sized crowd on a Hopefully night. there's an audience. <laughs> <laughs> we might be fighting uh, some concerts going on at the same time, but if you're there and you want to learn more about game music, you want to hang out with some cool peeps, check us out, Rhythm and Pixels, 6.30 p.m. on June 25th. Be there or be somewhere else, brother. It's be there or be square wave. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, anyway, thanks everyone for listening to the show. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a great week. And remember, God, this is a weird one. Um, I just thought about for something like the idea of like riding a bike, um, rollerblading. I don't know. Summertime is happening. Don't just keep your butt in the house all summer. I know it's hot outside. I know you want to just play your games. And playing games is great. I mean, I'm doing a, we're doing a whole summer games challenge. Um, but uh, there's nothing harm. There's no harm in grabbing a bike if you have access to one, some rollerblades if your feet aren't size 16, uh, <laughs> canoeing, kayaking, inner tubing, piloting. That's the theme here, obviously. Uh, make ac- Take access to just like, piloting an actual vehicle of some sort. Go outside and enjoy the summertime. It's not people to get activity. in their meccas and get outside. God, I wish we had meccas. I really wish we did. I'm just amazed that I can still come up with these things here. There's so <laughs> many of them. Sonic says. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs>